today and next Sunday, we're going to do what we call a flyover of Revelation, a flyover. Uh, maybe you have an, an, an iPhone and you open up the Apple map, and you understand what I'm talking about, the Apple map, and you can look at any major city, and if you click on one of the major cities of our, of our country, even around the world, you can click on Paris, and you go over there and you zoom in at the Paris, and they'll have a little option where you can do a flyover. And you click that little button on your phone, on that app, and all of a sudden the map turns into a 3D of that city, the 3D of Paris. And then fly over, you know, certain landmarks of that city and highlight a couple key places and it kind of moves around, you kind of follow it, kind of cool. And some of you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You, you've got the Apple phone. Uh, maybe you don't have that, maybe you use the Waze. Some of you use Waze app, okay? You got the Waze app and uh, maybe you use Google Maps. Who uses Google Maps? Got Google Maps in here? Okay, you got the Google Maps crowd in here. How many of you, hey, I'm going to go back a little old school. You still use the Garmin or TomTom? Tom? <laughs> all, right, all right, we got a couple. All right, here you go. Right, let, let's get even old, old school here, MapQuest. How many still print out your directions to your location? You got a MapQuest. All right, no, no MapQuest people in there. All right, all right, good. Um, and, and so we're going to do a flyover. Of, of the book of Revelation. What that means is that we're not going to go verse by verse by verse because there's no way we get that done in two weeks. You know, I, I'll probably need about two years, okay, to do verse by verse by verse. That's not a flyover. We're going to do a synopsis of the book of Revelation. And, and I'm hoping by doing this flyover, here's my hope, is that this will encourage you, number one, to read the book of Revelation. But what this message today and next Sunday will help you understand how to read the book of Revelation. This will help you to, 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 to get an understanding. Let, let, just, let me ask you this. How many of you would say that the book of Revelation is intriguing. Yeah, intriguing. Okay. How many of you would say that the book of Revelation is confusing? All right, all right got the hand up. Somebody got the hand up again. How, how many of you would say that the book of Revelation is a little scary? Okay. There are a lot of different emotions that's happening here. I mean, you've got dragons. You've got beasts, right? You've got, you've got multiple heads. It talks about six, 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 the number. It's all sorts of numbers. It's all sorts of symbols that we see. You can read about the 12 stars. You can read about 10 horns. You can read about the seven heads, the six wings, four bowls of incense, two olive trees, and you even read about a pear tree and a pear tree. <laughs> it's all in there. All sorts of different stuff. And the challenge is this, is that so many people, when they think about reading it or they start reading it, they get scared, they get, they, 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 they get creeped out about it, they freak out. And the problem is, is that you don't know how to read it. You don't know how to read the book because the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, right there in the very beginning, that you 
are blessed by reading it. And you're blessed if you hear it. And if you know how to read it, it won't make you afraid. In fact, it'll do the opposite. It will, it will, build, it will build up your faith. When you understand how to read the revelation that God gave to the Apostle John. Now let's look at, let's look at Revelation chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. And the Bible says here that the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, John being one of the 12 original disciples, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the, the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming soon. And God is going to show us what is to come. And, and if you're a follower of Christ, then, then you should get excited about what God shows us in Revelation. So I want, I want to help you read it in a way that strengthens and builds your faith. If you're taking note, the theme the theme of the book of Revelation is that Jesus is in control. We see this throughout the whole book of Revelation. Jesus is in control. I know we live in a world where it feels like everything is out of control. But when you read the book of Revelation, it should remind you that Jesus is in, he is absolutely in control. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a backstory, give you some contact to the book of Revelation, and then we'll break it down in a way I hope that will help you to understand it better. All right, the background is written by John the Apostle. He was the last living of the original 12 disciples. And it's really interesting to me if you know about what happened to them after the resurrection of Jesus, all the disciples. Minus Judas, who betrayed Jesus. Judas took his own life. The other ten, besides John, actually died a martyr's death. They actually died for what they knew was true. They did not die for a lie. And, you know, if you're a skeptic here this morning, if you're wondering if Christianity is all real, and, and uh, we, we do know that there was a man named Jesus. We, knew, we know that in, in based on historians, not outside of biblical, uh, biblical records, that Jesus was a man who lived here in, in, in Israel, and, uh, and, and he died on a cross, and, and people say he, he rose again. And, and, and people saw, there are witnesses, and if you're here and you're skeptical, I don't know about Jesus coming from the grave. I want you to think about this. There were 10 men 
who died and suffered a horrible death. Ten men. Now, if this was a lie, if this was fake news, and they made it up, you can only take a lie so far. But think about it. Would you die for a lie? Of course not. At some point, you'll crack. And out of ten men, none of them crack. None of them said, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you dip me in that boiling hot oil, I, I just got to say, we made it up. Not one of them did. Not one of them died for a lie. They died for the truth. And even the apostle John was willing to die. In fact, he was dipped in hot boiling oil. And he came out of it alive. And they were like, well, you know, there's something weird about you, so we're going to imprison you on this remote Asian island in the Asian Sea. Now, this little, little small island is situated between Greek and what's now today known as Turkey. And it's this little island in the Asian Sea, which is part of the big Mediterranean Sea. And there was Spanish in this little place. And, and this place, was, it, if you were to go there today, it's the smallest inhabited island in that Asian Sea. Uh, in fact, it's about 3,000 people that live on this little, little island. This little island is about 13.5 square miles. To help you understand, Shelby Township is 35 square miles. So you think about how small this little island, about 3,000 people, it's actually kind of right now a, a little bit of a tourist spot. You can go there today. They've got the buildings. They're all kind of in white. You know, there's not a lot of trees on this island. It's a little volcano uh, with a volcano at one point. And uh, so you still see the little what's left of a volcano. Um, a lot of rocks. No, not a lot of trees. But the houses are all white. And you can go up to about halfway up this mountain, and it's where they think the Apostle John saw the vision or the revelation that God gave him in this little cave that he was living on. And, and if you were to go there today, you could find this cave. It's called the Cave of the Apocalypse. Uh, so they got very creative with their name, the Cave of the Apocalypse. And if you were to go there, you actually wouldn't see the cave from the outside. They, what, what they have done, like they do to a lot of places in the Holy Land, wherever Jesus did a miracle, you know, they put a church on top of it. All right, so the, the church is everywhere in the Holy Land, and it's actually they put a church in front of the cave. And it's a Greek Orthodox church, and you can go in, and you'll see a church, and then you go kind of walk your way to the back, and you actually start to see what looks like a cave. And this is where uh, traditionally they, they believe that this is where John was when he saw the vision of, of Jesus and the revelation. And so this was about 52 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 95 AD. But think about John, who probably in his young 20s, maybe mid-20s, you know, uh, when he hung out with Jesus. And so he's about 80-something years old. What's in that time span, he's way past desperation date. Way past. Because back then, the average lifespan was about 35 to 40 
years of age. And so here's John, an old man, maybe the oldest man on the island, you know, on top of a mountain, you know, and, and, and living in a cave and uh, kind of separated from families and friends. And all of a sudden, God showed up with a revelation of things to come. And if you read chapter 2 and 3, you'll see who John wrote it to. John wrote the book of Revelation to the seven angels or messengers to the seven churches of Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. Uh, and so that's who you wrote it for initially, but for all of us here today. Now, what I want to do is break the book into five sections. We're only going to cover two sections today, which means you have to come back next week. <laughs> all right? Now, you're going to see in the handout note three sections. You know, we're not going to even get to the third section. All right? and, and don't worry if you lose your note next week. I'll, I'll, we'll fix it up, and next week you'll see, you know, a new, a new set of handout notes and uh, you, you a quick review of section one and two, and then we'll break down three, four, and five next Sunday. But we're going to break it down, and I'm going to encourage you uh, this week to read, you know, Revelation chapter one to five with the understanding of what we're going to talk about today. And then next week, um, after I do the second part of this flyover, uh, you'll be able to read the rest of Revelation with the the understanding of of what we talk about. And and we're going to look at these five sections, five main themes, and we're going to see who Jesus is in every one of these sections. Remember, it's all about Jesus. Remember in week one, if you were with us, week one, we, we talk about three mistakes that we make about end times. And one of those mistakes is that we obsess about the what and the when, and we forget about the who. So yeah, Revelation, we can get really deep and we start pulling things apart and a lot of speculation. But at the end of the day, it's all about the who. It's all about Jesus. And I want us to magnify the name of Jesus through revelation. And when you understand who Jesus is in every section, in these five sections, it'll help you understand the book of Revelation in a fresh way. So if you're ready, let's dive into section number one. This includes chapter one, two, and three. And as you read the first three chapters, later this week, I want you to remember I want you to focus that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. You'll see a subtitle in your handout notes, and the subtitle is that Jesus is returning soon. Jesus is returning soon. Let's look at what the Bible says. John has this vision. He said this in Chapter 1, verse 7. It says, look, he, who being Jesus, is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Stop here for just a minute. This is not what I believe is the first return that we look at in the first couple weeks. We talk about the first couple weeks, we talk about the rapture. When he come in a twinkling of an eye, you know, you look... And you'll see two men in the field. One will be there, one will be gone. And we're not going to know what happened all of a sudden. It could be like, what just happened? It's that quick. 
and not everyone going to see that return of Jesus. But this is right here. It's the second coming, I believe, the second coming of Jesus. The first time he comes for his church, the second time he comes with his church. He said, look, he's Jesus. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierce him, even those who spit on him, even those who drove the nails, even those who commanded the nails to be driven into his hands and feet and put him on the cross, they will see him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. And it goes on in verse number eight. Jesus said to John, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now, Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. And Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. See, in our language, Jesus would have said, hey, I am the A and the Z. That's how he would have said it. I am the A and the Z. I was there before the beginning of the world, and I'm already in the end. He would have said, if you want to know what's going to happen, you don't need to worry, because I have written the last page of the book. Jesus has written the last chapter. And if you're a Christian, this should, this should be something that we should not be afraid of. No, no. We should not be scared. Because we know, and I know, what happens at the end of the book. We know that Jesus wins. I, I, I told this story in the first service. When I was in college, I played uh, at a softball league. And in a softball league, you know, uh, our team showed up for the specific game. And the other team didn't really show up. Maybe six or seven guys, but they have enough to field a, a full team. And so, you know, the umpires said, I'll give you guys five minutes to, you know, hopefully maybe some, some of the rest of the people will show up. And we waited five minutes, and before you know it, no one else showed up for the other team. So the umpire called the game. Game's over. You, you know, our team won by forfeit. And we're like, all right, you know, <laughs> we won by forfeit. But we had a, we had a, a everyone showed up. We had bench players. And so one of the guys on the team would go to the umpire and say, listen, can we still play a game, a, a scrimmage game? You know, you're here, you know, you're, you're, the, the, the umpires are out in the field. We're paying for this, you know, paying for you already to be here. And we can just, we'll send some of our players to the other team and we'll just have a fun game. Be a scrimmage. Won't count for the record because we won. But it'll be a scrimmage. And the umpire said, oh, we don't mind doing that. And, and so we send about four of our worst players <laughs> over to the other team and we started playing ball. And, and, and by the third, fourth inning, our team, it's losing. We're doing bad. We're getting frustrated. We're getting mad at each other. We're like, man, what's going on? We're, we're making errors. We're making mistakes. The other team, the four bad players, they're actually having a good game. I mean, they're, they're having the best game of their life. And we're, we're just kind of frustrated. And finally, about the fifth inning, 
one of our players said, guys, 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 listen, listen, hey, this game doesn't matter. We're, we're winners regardless of what happened in this game. It may feel like we're losing, but we've won. See, my friend, it may feel like in this world we're losing. But I know at the end of the day, at the end of the book, we have won. We serve a victorious Savior, Jesus Christ, who has won on the cross. He has defeated Satan. And right now, Satan might feel like he's having his heyday, and things don't feel like it's going well for us. But we're actually winning. We win. The back of the book. I am Alpha. I am the Omega. I am the first, and I am the last. The beginning and the end. And I will show you how it ends. And it ends with good news. We win. Because I am the Alpha and the Omega. And John goes on with the vision of Jesus in verses 14 and 15. He said, his head and hair were white like wool. As white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. I mean, Jesus doesn't come back as a humbled, lowly servant, little baby born in a manger. This isn't that. Jesus comes back as a victorious king. And, and he's on fire, literally, literally he's on fire here. His feet were like bronze, glowing in the furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. It goes on to say in verse 16, in his right hand, he held seven stars. Now, you're saying, well, how in the world is he holding on to seven stars? And you need to understand, in Revelation, not everything is literal. A lot of symbolism. And what we know about the seven stars, we'll see this later in the same chapter, the seven stars represent the seven angels the seven messengers of the seven churches that I mentioned earlier and found in chapter 2 and 3. And so in his right hand, he's holding on to these seven churches. And out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. Again, this is not a circus trick. Not what happens. This is going to show up to John and say, hey, watch out. I got a magic trick to show you and pulls out a sword. That's not what this is. It's again, it's another symbol. We know the double-edged sword based on the book of Hebrews that the sword is actually the word of God. Out of his mouth comes the word of God. It's a theme that we'll see over and over and over again. And the Bible says in verse number 16 that Jesus' face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. You ever seen a diamond ring? You put it in the sun, and no matter how you look at it, it's supposed to be this beautiful look. You see the color coming through. Jesus' face, in every way you look at it, it can be outstanding and awesome. It goes on to say in verse 17 that when John saw him, he said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. It's interesting to me that 
that John, known as the beloved disciple, the beloved, Jesus loved them all, but he had a very special friendship with John. John even writes about how before and after dinner he would, he would recline in the lap of Jesus, which was customary for friends to do in that time period. They just kind of relaxed together. It's a very, very close setting among friends. But when Jesus returned in Revelation chapter 1, when John saw the vision, Jesus doesn't come as a buddy-buddy. Jesus, he's the Alpha and Omega. And in the presence of Jesus, John falls on his face in awe of him and worship as though dead. But, but notice what Jesus does. Jesus placed his right hand on John. And he said, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. He said, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. And here's the gospel, which we'll see over and over and over again in Revelation. We see the gospel. Jesus said, I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. I hold the keys of death and hell. And if you see Jesus in Revelation, it should build your faith. In these verses, Jesus reminds John that I am in control. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When you leave here today and you start turning on the news channel, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We're not on the losing side. We're winning. Jesus is in control. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the soon returning King of Kings for his church, the bride. Section number two, as you read chapters four and five, ask yourself, who is Jesus in these two chapters? And the answer is that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God. 28 times in Revelation, Jesus is called the Lamb of God. 28 times. What is the main theme of this section? The subtitle is that Jesus is the Lamb of God who is worthy to open the scroll. Open the word, he's, he's worthy to open the scroll. And you, you might be saying, well, what is the scroll? What is that all about? And if you read in chapter 4 and 5, what you'll see is that God is on the throne, and in his hand, God holds a giant scroll that's sealed with seven different seals. And, and, and the scroll is kind of like the last will and testament, so to speak, a, a declaration of, of, of what's about to happen. And, and, and so John's like, well, I want to see what's in the scroll. Someone needs to open the scroll. And, and, and so the angel said, well, who's worthy to open the scroll? And everybody looks around heaven, and, and they can't find nobody to open the scroll. And, and, and John began to kind of panic and begin to weep. He said, who is worthy to open the scroll? And all of a sudden, we see in verse number six, John said, and I saw a lamb. I saw a lamb, which is Jesus, looking as if it had been slain. Remember, 
Jesus was slain on the cross for our sins. He's standing in the center of the throne, of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And they sang, in verse number nine, they sang a new song. And it's the song that they sang. They said, you are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Here again is the gospel. Because you were slain, and with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Now, some of us might say, well, I don't understand that image, the Lamb of God. I don't get it. Well, this would have been a very incredible, powerful image for John's readers because they would have remembered John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist was out in the wilderness preaching about a man who was going to come who was greater than he, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And, and John's readers would have also been very aware about what was known as the Passover in the Old Testament. Passover is something that's still being celebrated today. Passover is like a holiday, a Jewish remembrance uh, equivalent to our Independence Day on 4th of July. This was Passover. They celebrate their independence from bondage from Egypt. And if you remember the story, there were 10 plagues. Moses and Israel were you know, going against Pharaoh, and they had God on their side. And, and, and they kept going at Pharaoh. So he got to let my people go. Pharaoh said no over and over and over again. That 10th plague, God told Moses to instruct the people to take a spotless lamb, to kill it, and to take the blood of that lamb and to smear it on the doorpost of their home. And that night, the death angel came, and if the blood was not sprinkled on the door of your home, the death angel would go into that house and would kill every firstborn living in that home. But if the death angel saw the blood on the doorpost of the house, he would pass over and go on to the next house. And the blood on the doorpost was a foreshadow of the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross. The precious, spotless Lamb of God. The final sacrifice to be made for the sins of all mankind. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of of the, world, of, the, of the world. And John said, I saw the Lamb of God. He is worthy to open the scrolls. And everyone there is filled with a sense of hope. Yes, our Jesus, He is worthy. He is worthy. He is the Lamb of God. So who is Jesus so far in Revelation? You saw that he's Alpha and Omega. And we see that he is the Lamb of God. We have no reason to fear the future 
because of the one who holds it in his hand. We read the back of the book. We know we win. We're on the winning side, even when it feels like we're losing. But there may be someone here this morning. You don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. I invite you to get off the losing team and be a part of the winning team. The team that wins is where Jesus paid for that win. He died on the cross for that win so that we can live a Christian, victorious Christian life because of the spotless Lamb of God. And when you join teams, when you join, when you switch from the losing to the winning team, even though it doesn't look like we're winning, we are. We are winning. The world might think they got us. Satan might think he's winning, but he's losing. And I invite you, if you don't know Jesus, to switch teams and to join Jesus. Ask him to come into your life. He'll come in, he'll save you, forgive you of your sins. He said, well, God, you understand my sins. Hey, Jesus does. Jesus can forgive your sins, all of it. No matter how bad you've been, no matter what you've done, Jesus still loves you. He died on the cross for you. I'm gonna invite you today I'm going to invite you this week to reach out to one of us. Let us help you. Let's say, well, Scott, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to bother you. You guys are busy. No, 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 no. That's a lie from Satan. Satan can get in your mind and say, don't bother us. No, it will be our highest honor. It will be our highest honor to spend time with you to make sure you understand what it takes to be on the winning team and to find your destiny in heaven. You won't waste my time. The most important thing is why we're here. And so don't, don't put it off. Don't put it off. Why? Because Jesus, he could come back this week. He could come back this week. And I pray that you do and be ready before he comes. God, we ask you to help us today to thank you that Revelation shows us that from the beginning to end, you're in control. We trust you. We trust you. Help us not to be afraid. Help us not to be worried about the world that we're in. God, I pray that we're reminded that we're on the winning team. It might feel like we're losing, but we won. We won because of what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago, and we know what happens at the end of the book. God, if there's someone here that's on a losing team, I pray that today, this week, they switch teams. I ask you to come into your heart, be the Lord and Savior, and forgive them all their sins, past sins, our present sins, even our future sins. 
your salvation covers it all because you are the spotless Lamb of God who took the sins of the world. We ask you to help us as we are challenged this next couple of weeks to read the book of Revelation. In Jesus' name, amen.